sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to Ezekiel, he said, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord.
Dry bones rattling. Dead man walk again. I'm going to live. Going to live again. How cool will it be when it's our turn to be raised up from the dead? To experience that. To see Jesus for the first time. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study is revealing, and our prayers in fact impactful. We're also hopeful that God's love and presence is felt while you worship with us this morning. For the announcements, please look over the, uh, the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. Also, look to the church website, for, especially for those of you watching on Facebook or listening on the radio. I guess the theme for today is things are starting up, Sunday school. Children's Sunday school starts today, and, we'll, and we will be presenting the second grade students with their own adventure Bible during our time of worship this morning. It's always such a joy to watch Pastor Joel and Pastor Tori which we didn't get to do last year, hand out these adventure Bibles and watch the young kids, their expression as they receive that and their personalities come out and receive that gift. Confirmation class for our 7th and 8th grade students start today and meet in the ministry center. Junior and senior high Bible study starts. All students in grades 7 through 12 are invited. That group starts today and meets in the basement of Dave and Judy Bumbar's house from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. I think Aaron is here for some more information about the adult Bible, uh, adult Sunday school class. Thank you, Brian. Good morning. Yeah, we are excited to start a Sunday school uh, kicks off today. And again, I want to extend an invitation. The adult Bible school or adult Bible study class begins today immediately following the service at 10.15. We're meeting in the large uh, room in the ministry center. Over the next few Sundays, we're going to walk through the book of Exodus and parallel that by watching the uh, 1956 version of the Ten Commandments and compare what is Scripture, what is Hollywood, and I think that will be a fun, unique, exciting way to study the Word of the Lord together. We do have refreshments available, so I encourage any adults, um, high school age and above, to attend uh, the class, and uh, we'll see you after the service. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for that. A little more detail about that opportunity to learn more and share with one another. The Agape Coat Drive is underway, and there are barrels in the Heritage Room for you to drop off used or new coats through the October 30th. Now, if you'd rise and join me in the call to worship. The call to worship is taken from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also in glory in our suffering. Because we know it's character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, 
who has been given to us. Jesus prayed that we, the church, would be one, just as he and the Father are one. Today we offer our praise and prayer together as one body in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in harmony, let us glorify God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now let us sing our opening hymn, number 262, Holy, Holy, Holy. Please be seated. And now let's have the kids come up for children's chat. Now we get to see what Pastor Toy has for our kids and maybe a little bit of wisdom for us as well. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? 
Good. How's school going? Good. Good. You're in second grade. That's exciting. In kindergarten now? Oh my goodness, you guys are getting so old. So old. You're in preschool? Wow. It's crazy. When I first came here, some of you guys weren't even born yet. You guys are getting so old. It's crazy. Okay, so I have a question for you. Does anybody like mysteries? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What kind of mysteries do you like? Has anybody read Nancy Drew? I'm kind of dating myself there. That's a little bit old. What other mysteries do you know of? Surprises? Does anybody like being surprised? You do? It depends on the surprise, right? I don't like being surprised. I like to know what's happening at all times. So I always try to figure out my surprises. So today we're going to be learning about another kind of mystery. And today Pastor Joel is going to be talking about the Trinity. What's the Trinity? Do you know? Nobody? Okay, that's all right. Because the Trinity is a mystery and it's hard to understand. But we're going to attempt to understand it. So first question I have for you is how many gods are there? One God, right? There's one God, but God is made up of three persons, right? It's kind of hard to understand, so stick with me. So, who are those three persons? We have God the Father. Not Mary. And the Holy Spirit. Yes, so that's what we call the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity, okay? So... Have you ever seen someone get baptized before? Yeah. You know when Pastor Joel baptizes someone and he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Talking about the Trinity, yes. But it's one God. So this is really important. One God and three persons. So to help us figure out this mystery and to maybe, I don't know, put some a visual to it, I have some eggs here. Okay? Sorry if they're kind of smelly. Eggs smell. Um, but the best way I can think of this is through an egg. So... How many parts does an egg have? Three. So it has the shell. And then I pre-peeled this so it's a little easier. Then you have the white part. And then if I cut this open, there's the yellow part, right? The yolk, yes. So just like, oops, I got some, there we go. (laughs) So just like God is one God, in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we have one egg here, right? We have the shell, we have the white, and then we have the yolk, okay? So when you think about the Trinity, you can kind of think of it like that. They're all, it's still one egg, one egg, right? You could eat that entire egg, even the shell, right? If you really wanted to, it'd be kind of gross. But, but God is one God in three persons. So kind of hard to understand, but that's where faith comes in too, okay? Because we don't always understand everything that scripture tells us or that God tells us, but is God trustworthy? Yeah. yeah. We can always trust God. Can we trust what scripture says about God? Yeah. We can always trust what scripture says about God. So even though we might not understand the Trinity and how it all works together and how that, how it works in our life, uh, we can still trust that God knows what he's doing, right? And that he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he is still one God, okay? So let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for being all-powerful and all-knowing and for loving us, Lord. We thank you for things in life that we don't completely understand, like the Trinity. I thank you, Lord, for giving us the faith to believe that you are who you say you are, that we can trust what's in your word, Lord, and we can trust how you work in our lives. So, God, we just pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. If you are in second grade, I'm going to have you guys stay up here. The rest of you can go back to your family. All right. Second graders, you can come right up on this step over here. Everybody wants to see your smiling faces this morning. So what do you get today? A Bible. A Bible. Okay, so I want to show you. My church, when I was younger, they gave me my first Bible. This was my Bible. It's a little torn up, isn't it? I've had this for quite a few years. If you look in it, are there things that are underlined? Right? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's things, there's pages that have been ripped, things that are completely scribbled all over. Guess what? The Bible is one of the most special books you'll ever get because who talks to you through the Bible? God does. And so when God talks to you through scripture, guess what? You can't help but underline and mark up your Bibles and all of that stuff because when God speaks to you, that's powerful, right? And he speaks to us through his word. And so today you guys are getting your Bible. And today you guys can start, maybe with your parents, because sometimes scripture is hard to understand, um, reading through the Bibles. And you know what? When you're using your Bibles, we want you guys to mark your Bibles up, to underline, to highlight. And this year, since I got to know you guys pretty well in Sunday school over the last two years, I went through and I picked out verses for each of you. And so in your Bible, there is already a verse that's highlighted for each and every one of you. And if you need help finding it, I wrote it in the front cover of your Bible. But I want you guys to go and see if you can find that verse. It's highlighted in blue, okay? So what are you going to do with your Bibles? Read them. Use them. Underline them. Use them all the time. You can bring them to school with you. You can bring them everywhere with you, right? Awesome. Awesome. And here's your Bibles for you. So Leah, here's yours. Reagan and Courtney. Now, I do have to say something about those verses because Tori did pick out a different one for each one of you. So you can't cheat, can't use each other's notes there. You each have a special one individually for you guys to look up. Um, I'm going to take a moment and pray for the three of them. But at the same time, um, this is a good day. As Brian pointed out, today's the start of of Sunday school again for this year. So not only do we want to pray for the three of you and the others that weren't able to be here today, but we also want to pray for our entire Sunday school department, uh, all of our students that are beginning today, all of our teachers that are helping out, because we certainly can't have Sunday school without our wonderful teachers and helpers that make it possible. So let me pray for us and pray for all of our Sunday school classes as we uh, start Sunday school today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We learned last week that you make yourself known to us through the Bible. You want us to know you, your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, your holiness, your righteousness, all of who you are and all of what you've done for us. You give us your word so that we can know you. Lord God, we also thank you for these children. As they receive their new Bibles today, we pray that they would know and trust your word. Help them and their families to read it every day. May your Holy Spirit guide them into all truth and equip them to apply your word to their lives. And may we all, Lord, not take your word for granted. 
Encourage us today to seek you anew. Give us a desire to know you more and empower us to live according to your word. And Lord, we thank you for our Sunday school teachers and students as this new year begins. We pray that you would guide them into all truth as well. I pray, Lord, that this year would be a, a blessing to all those who are involved and that you would, you would make yourself known to us, that those groups, those, each one of those classes, each one of those students and each one of those teachers, Lord, would learn more about you and that you would use those classes to deepen their faith and draw them to yourself. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Okay, so you guys can be seated. Our offering this morning is going to support the general fund. If you are able to give today, I encourage you to give as you feel led to. And our, and our offering will go to support the ministry uh, here at First Church. Once again, we have the choir with us to bless us with our offertory music. Uh, they're singing, People Need the Lord. I invite the deacons to come forward at this time.
if you're able, I invite you to remain standing as we sing our next praise song this morning. Let's sing to our King of Kings. Shall not be, shall not be. 
Amen. We do praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We lift you up and praise your name. Lord, we need you. We need the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who, is, who formed us, who redeemed us, and will, and will bring us to be with him forever. We need you, Lord. We desperately need you. We need your forgiveness. Lord, we are poor and weary sinners, and we need the grace and mercy that only you can offer. Lord God, we need your guidance. We can't, we can't wander through life alone. It is too dark, too difficult, too much for us to handle. Lord, help us not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all our ways. Lord, make our paths straight as we trust you more. Lord God, we need your provision. Lord, we believe that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Provide what we are lacking. Work in us what is good and pleasing according to your will. Lord, use whatever situation we find ourselves in to make us depend on you more and more. We can't do it on our own. We need you. And we also ask, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would make us one just as you are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, together from before time began. Unite us together as your church, as one body, through the shed blood of Christ our Savior, and the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, you know exactly what it is we need. So draw us to yourself. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading is from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And also from Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased this is the word of the lord let's pray together father god we thank you for your word we thank you that we can gather around it this morning as we continue to praise you now through the studying of your word and what you have to say to us in it. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide our hearts and minds, open us up to what you have to say to, to us today, and may you give me words to speak that point people to the truth of your gospel. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we are continuing our, our journey through our faith statement here at First Church. Uh, for those of you who are not here with us last week as we began uh, this journey, we are, we are studying 
over the next 10 weeks our, our faith statement. Not just what it says in the faith statement, but the scripture behind it and, and what we believe and why we believe it and why those things are important. So last week we started by studying what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about scripture and how God has revealed himself to us through his word. And today we're going to be looking at the doctrine of the Trinity. And so I want to take a moment and read the statement from the faith statement so that we kind of are all on the same page. And then we're going to go ahead and discuss what it means for us. God, one God existing in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity is fully and equally God, possesses all the divine attributes, and is worthy of our worship and service. Now, when we talked last week about the Bible, I felt like in a lot of ways that sermon was um, a lot more straightforward than the one that we're going to have today. And here's what I mean by that. I think, I think it's pretty, pretty easy, fairly easy for us to wrap our minds around what Scripture is and why it's important, right? We, uh, for those of us especially that have, that have grown up in a church or been a part of a church for a long time, you know, Scripture obviously plays a central role in, in who we are and what we do. And that's really important. And that's why we started with that last week. It lays the foundation for the rest of our faith statement, right? That we, we can know about God. We can make statements about who God is because he's revealed himself to us in his word. But today's topic is maybe a little less straightforward. We're going to be talking about the Trinity. And, and Tori gave us a great intro to what we're going to be talking about during the children's chat today. That we worship one God who has made himself known to us in three persons. One God in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be, you know, as we think about that and as we unpack that a little bit today, it really is kind of a paradox if you think about it, isn't it? To believe in in, in, in state that we worship one God, but yet that one God is made of three persons, right? It seems kind of contradictory, doesn't it? Before I, uh, I heeded God's call into ministry when I was in college, I was a, a math and physics major, and I know I've shared that with you in the past. And one of my favorite um, topics in physics was the nature of light. Uh, it's called uh, the the Maybe the term for it is the dual nature of light. And so for those of you who are maybe a little bit more science oriented, this is for you. Um, if you're not, I will, I will let you know when I'm done talking about this and you can tune back in. But, but the dual nature of light always fascinated me. And what, what, what that says is that light acts both as a particle and as a wave, which shouldn't make sense, right? That shouldn't be possible. It should either be one or the other based on how we observe the world and how, how at that time we thought the world operated and worked. But light was something different. Instead of being one or the other, light acted as both a wave and a particle. And actually, depending on how you observed it and how you were measuring it, it could be one or the other, but then it was also both. And this, this boggled scientists' minds for years and actually led to what is more commonly known as commonly known as quantum physics, the study of subatomic particles and light and all that crazy stuff. But there was a paradox in that that was very difficult for scientists at that time to wrap their minds around, that light could be both a particle and a wave, that it could be both of those things at the same time. But it was only upon further study and further understanding that that, that began to make sense in their minds. All right, so now tune back in, right? 
What we have here before us today with the Trinity is, is a paradox. It's something that on the surface doesn't seem to make sense, right? How can one God be three persons? Wouldn't that be three gods? Or wouldn't, wouldn't one God only be one and not three, right? On the surface, it doesn't seem to, to line up and it doesn't seem to make sense. It appears to be a contradiction. But as we look at the testimony of Scripture and, and really dig into what Scripture says about the nature of God and who he is, we realize it's not a contradiction, it's a mystery. And I love that Torah used that word here as well because that's a word that's been used throughout church history to describe the Trinity and other aspects of our faith that are very difficult for us to understand. When we talk, and, and Paul uses that term in the New Testament as well, talking about the mystery of the faith. When, when, when we talk about a mystery, it's not something that is being hidden necessarily, like a whodunit kind of mystery. But it's a mystery as, as in something that is, that is beyond our limited capabilities to understand. And so it does require faith. It does require trust that we believe God at his word. And that even if we can't wrap our minds completely and fully around the idea of the Trinity or the idea that light can be both a particle and a wave, we can know and trust and believe that it is true. And so today we are going to dig into that a little bit more. And like I said, some of this may, may seem confusing on the surface. And if it is for you, I encourage you to, to dig into the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. Um, join one of those Bible studies that, that are continuing. There's, there's never too late to join one of those groups and, and dig into this topic a little bit more. Um, but, but, or, or just reach out to me directly. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. But I just want to, I just want to encourage you to, to not just tune this, this, this sermon out because it might be a little bit, uh, difficult to understand. Some parts of scripture are, but they are important. And we'll see that, that the Trinity is a very important foundational understanding of Christianity. In fact, the Trinity is a very unique Christian doctrine. We're the only faith, we're the only religion in the world that has this sort of unique belief. There are other, other religions that are what we call monotheistic. They worship one God that we could, you know, put Judaism or Islam in those groups, right? They claim to worship one God. And so, so they sometimes in the course of history have looked at Christians and, and called us polytheistic, that we worship more than one God. But Christians, however, have always affirmed from, from the Old Testament through the New that there is only one God. We don't worship multiple gods. So Christians are something unique. We are Trinitarian, right? We believe that one God exists in three persons. Now, one of the common objections that has often risen up is that, is that the word Trinity does not appear in our Bibles anywhere. And that's true. If you were to go onto like a, a website where you can search scripture and type in the word Trinity, it's not going to show up anywhere in our Bibles. But that doesn't mean that that the concept or the idea or the teaching of the Trinity isn't clearly expressed throughout Scripture. It is. And it wasn't until about the third century that that term Trinity was coined. And it came from the idea of tri-unity. So three in one. Does that make sense? Tri-unity is where we get the term Trinity. And as I said, it's that although the word doesn't appear there, the idea is clearly expressed throughout Scripture. And we see it, you know, we see it, uh, hinted at and whispered in the Old Testament and made clear for us in the New. 
The Old Testament doesn't ex- contain a full explanation of the Trinity, but it does hint at it in its opening pages. From the very first words of Scripture, we get this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth is formless and void. Darkness is over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So right there in the very first words of Scripture, we get we are presented with, with God being present in, in creation, right? And then it is His Spirit that is hovering over the waters. If that's not enough for you, just look at the end of chapter 1 in Genesis, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. As God is preparing to make mankind in his own image, he says this, Let us make mankind in our image. Right? He doesn't say, let me make mankind in my image. He says, let us make mankind in our image. Again, from the very first chapter of our Bible, from Genesis 1, we get hints at this, this one God in three persons. And even in, to, to give us one more example from the Old Testament, we have Isaiah chapter 48, verse 16. And I hear this is an interesting passage because this is part of what are known as the servant songs. There's, a, there's sections in the is talking. And as Christians, we look back at those passages from Isaiah and we believe that, that is, uh, those passages are describing Jesus. Right? He is the suffering servant who God sent to save and redeem his people. And so in Isaiah 48:16 we have this statement, now the sovereign Lord has sent me endowed with his spirit. And so the suffering servant is speaking who we understand to be Jesus. And so if that's the case, in this one verse we can clearly see all three persons of the Trinity at work. We have the sovereign Lord who is the Father. We have me, here, the son, the, the suffering servant is the son, and then we have the spirit, all three working together. Again, in the Old Testament, pointing to what we see in the New. And so let's, let's look at the foundations we have of this, this very important uh, belief in the Trinity. And I want to I look at the verses that Sharon read for us here today, because they, they lay the groundwork of that one God being expressed in three persons. So we have Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, which is commonly known as the Shema, which is from the Hebrew word hear or listen. Right, that first word in the verse. This is one of the most important verses in all of the Old Testament. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? And so, so right here we have Moses speaking to the people, and he makes a very clear statement that, that the Lord that we worship, the God who created the universe, is one. He's not divided. He's not multiple. Right? There is just one God that we are called to worship. All other gods are not really God at all, right? They're either fake, uh, man-made creations, or, or demonic, but certainly not on the same level as God. You know, in that day, in, in Moses' day, the debate uh, wasn't between atheists and theists, right? It wasn't between people who didn't believe in God and people who did, like we often think about our, our cultural situation today. In that day, the debate was between, are there many gods or one God? That was, the, that was the question of the day. And so Moses is making a very clear statement that there are not multiple gods for different people or different places. There is one God that we are called to worship. Again, we see that reiterated throughout the Old Testament in passages like Isaiah 45, 5 through 6. 
I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. It's Isaiah 45, verses 5 and 6. So we have right there in Deuteronomy and Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament and the new very clear statements that there is only one God. He's not one among many. He's not, he's not a dualistic force where there's a good God and an evil God that are equal and at, turn, at odds with each other. He's not, you know, it's not a, uh, what's called an animistic approach where, where God is in nature and, and his spirit is in the animals and the trees and the ground and all that stuff. God is distinct and separate from his creation. He is the one true creator God of the universe. And he is sovereign. And we'll talk more about what that means next week. But we were, and so we worship this one God. But we see in Luke 3 and other parts of the scripture that it is one God. And he makes himself known to us in three persons. The three members of the Trinity are all present at Luke's, or excuse me, at Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Luke. We have Jesus, the Son of God, who's being baptized. We have the Holy Spirit coming down and, and descending on him in the form of a dove. We have this voice from heaven who is the Father pronouncing his, his love and his blessing on his Son in whom he is well pleased. And so all three are God, yet each of them is distinct Jesus is God, right? The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. All three are equally and fully God and deserving of our worship and praise. But yet Jesus is not the Father, right? The Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Does that make sense? Maybe. It's hard to make sense of it, isn't it? They are all equally and fully God, yet they are distinct from one another. Remember Deuteronomy 6.4, God is not divided. He is one. And so each person is distinct, yet each one is present and equally and fully God. And all three members of the Trinity, and, and here's where the, the rubber kind of hits the road for us, right? We can think this is all great and wonderful, but what does it mean for us? Well, if we look at Scripture, if we look at our faith through the lens of, of this Trinitarian view that God, there's one God who exists in three persons, we see the fingerprints of the Trinity at work all over the Bible, and all over our own lives. Again, think of creation. It was the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who brought the world into existence. It was the Father who willed it and spoke it, and it was through His Word, which John 1 tells us is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So it was in and through His Word, the Son of God, that the creation came into existence. And it was the Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters. It was God's Spirit made uh, present and real in His creation. We also see God at work in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our salvation. It, it was it, we can look at Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. I don't have the time this morning to read it in its entirety, but I encourage you to read it because we see all three members of the Trinity at work in our salvation. It was God the Father who willed for us to be saved in Christ before the foundations of the world. So it was the Father who ordained that to happen. And yet it was in and through the Son, it was through Jesus Christ and His death and His resurrection that that salvation was accomplished. And then we are marked and sealed 
by the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is applied to us as believers through the work of the Holy Spirit. So you see, God is at work as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all things. One way to think about this, if, if mnemonic devices are helpful to you, is think about, think about these three words that all begin with A to help understand how God works in all things in the world. Everything happens according to the will of the Father. Right? According to the will of the Father. Everything is accomplished by the work of the Son. Accomplished by the work of the Son. And also, it is applied by the power of the Holy Spirit. In all things, in everything, that is how God works in the world. Everything he does, he does in and through all three members of the Trinity. God is not divided, right? He's not working against each other. Or they're not working out of sync. They're working in perfect harmony and unity to accomplish God's purpose in the world. And so what is this again? So if that's true, what does that mean for us? We see, we, we believe that God exists as one God and three persons, right? Each God is three persons. Each person is fully God and there is one God, right? Those, we hold those truths together. That's what it means to know and trust the Trinity and believe in the Trinity. And so let's take a few minutes as we wrap up here to think about what that means for us then. If all of that is true, if everything that I just said is true, and, and at one level or another, right, and, and we're able to, if not fully understand it, we can trust it. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that each member of the Trinity is equally deserving of our worship, our praise, our honor, and our thanksgiving. And that should be reflected in how we worship and how we, have, and how we interact with God. Right? We don't just at, interact, right? We don't just worship the Father. We worship the Son and the Spirit too. We don't just worship the Son. We worship the Father and the Spirit too. Right? And that means we can also worship the Holy Spirit. Because it means that we can also, it also affects how we pray. Right? When we pray, we, again, all three members of the Trinity are active and working in that. We pray to the Father. Right? We know we can pray to the Father because Jesus the Son has, has made a way for us to have access to the Father through his shed blood on the cross because he has removed our sin from us. And we can pray and we know that God hears us because our prayers don't have to go to some far off place. We have the presence of God and the Holy Spirit living in us. So again, we have, uh, it, it changes how we view prayer and worship and how we just view our, our relationship with God in general, right? We, ha we have a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we seek to, to allow God to work in our lives and as we relate to him in that way. It also provides a deeper understanding of, of how the Trinity relates to each other and how the Trinity works in the world to create a deeper faith and understanding and relationship with God. Right? If we lose or de-emphasize one, we lose something that's very important to our faith. Right? If we don't believe that Jesus is the full Son of God and he's fully God and fully man, then we, then we start to lose very important aspects of our faith like our salvation and what it means to be saved. Because if Jesus isn't fully God and a full member of the Trinity, then, then how can we depend on his sacrifice to save us? And we'll talk more about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in detail over the next couple weeks, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. 
but we can also, so we can lose or de-emphasize one and we lose a very important aspect of our faith, but we can also overemphasize one over against the others and also lose something important. So we need to, to understand who they are in relation to each other. But it also, and again, this is, this is on a more practical level, we are made in his image, right? Genesis 1 says that we are created in his image. And if God is a triune God who exists in relationship with one another, then that means that we were created to be in relationship as well with him and with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We were called, we were made to be in relationships, and, and what we see in the triune God is unity and diversity. We see one God, right? That's where our unity comes in, but also diversity within that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one God yet distinct persons. And so that means that we as the body of Christ are called to have unity and diversity in our own human relationships because that will point to the unity and diversity that we find in the Trinity. Right, think of how Paul, what Paul says in Galatians 3, that, that, that we are neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. We are all one in Christ. It means that in Christ, because of who he is and what he's done for us, because we worship a triune God who is three yet one, then we know that we can overcome those things that divide us as well. That God calls us to be one in Christ. That doesn't mean we're cookie cutter Christians. That doesn't mean we all are exactly the same but it means that we can be united in him because of Jesus' shed blood on the cross, because of the Holy Spirit binding us together, we can have unity in Christ. And that's what we're, how we're called to exist and relate to one another. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for, uh, we thank you for your word and the truth that you reveal about yourself in it. Lord, there are sometimes topics like today, the Trinity, that are, that are sometimes difficult to understand or difficult to wrap our minds around. Lord, let us not be, uh, let us not be scared of those things, um, but let us embrace the mystery, embrace the idea that, that even though we may not fully understand or comprehend who you are, Lord, because you are an infinite, glorious, majestic God, even if we can't fully comprehend who you are, we can still know you. We can still trust you. And we can still, and you still invite us into a relationship with you. We thank you for that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you to stand and, and sing number, hymn number 268, God our Father, we adore thee.
we now go together from this place in the presence of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit who hovered over the waters in creation. The Spirit who descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. The Spirit who descended like fire on the disciples in the upper room is the same Spirit that now resides in you and me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of that Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.